words was on. I was wondering, should I talk about the, the struggle between good and bad, between God and Satan? And I was wondering, why in the world was Samuel L. Jackson playing in Star Wars? These were things that were hitting me about 1130 at night. Uh, luckily, I landed somewhere. Uh, I took an easier route and uh, dug through some old retreat stuff. Uh, I say old, it was only a couple years old. We, we did a retreat out at Camp Deer Run, and I thought it was applicable to, to everything. And it was applic- applicable getting ready for the beginning of a new year. Uh, and so I'm going to share you guys uh, that today. And let's go to our text. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, please. Matthew chapter 13. And real quick, I want to add something that I've thought randomly about Scripture. And that was also one thing I wondered about. I thought about just sitting up here and giving you Deep Thoughts by Jared Baggett. But I was afraid that would get a little weird. Uh, But uh, one thought I've had whenever Patrick talks about going to a Scripture or when I'm in class and I say go to a Scripture, uh, we have Scripture at our fingertips. Well, you guys do. I still have a, a slide phone. But at our fingertips constantly, uh, and, and we're able to open it. A lot of times we use our phones for our scripture. And I would like to just throw out a quick challenge to you guys to start using your, your, your physical Bible again. Uh, there's significance when you open your Bible, when you read off the pages, when you flip through. There's significance. There's, there's a smell to it. There's, there's a difference when you're reading it on pages versus on a device. And I would also say that that device you're reading scripture on is the same device that you're spending and wasting hours on Facebook or looking at content you shouldn't be looking at. So let scripture be holy and hang on to this. Uh, My dad's Bible sits in my office. I'm able to read it. You can't pass on your smartphone. Your kids aren't going to want it. There's going to be a new model out, all right? So go to your scripture, Matthew 13. We're going to look at verse 44 and 45 and 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls When he found one of those of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. We like treasure stories. We like treasure hunts. When I was about 15, 16 years old, uh, a buddy and I were were into rock climbing. As much as you can be in northeast Texas, we were into rock climbing. Uh, But we would go up to Robert's Cave. And at this cave, there was was a well-known cave of where... People hid uh, after they had broke the law and had some money, and they would hide out in this cave. Um, and we would go there. We would rock climb. We would repel. We would camp for the weekend, and, and our parents would go with us, and our moms would sit there worried about everything. And this one instance, we're looking at the mouth of the cave, and we just think there's got to be some money somewhere around here. And so we start kind of looking around, just being teenage boys looking for an adventure and off to the right of this mouth of this cave is another look like a little cave that's kind of hidden and, and it's and when I saw that I thought that's where I would have hid the treasure so my buddy and I we looked at each other his name was Jeremy Grossman we called him Grossman because there was about five Jeremy's in, in high school that I went with 
his name was Grossman, another buddy of mine's name was Pitts, Jeremy Pitts, but Grossman and I, we thought we could go find us some, some treasure. And so we looked down at this, and it was kind of dark, and it was at a slope, and we couldn't really tell what was down there, so we hooked in to rope, and we, we started kind of shimmying our way down just in case there was a drop-off. And in my mind, it was going to be like this beautiful drop-off, and then it was going to open up to this waterfall, and there was going to be light hitting this big treasure. That was in my mind. Uh, we just kept sliding down this little bitty kind of crack, I guess it was, and it came to the bottom where it was kind of like an area you can walk around in. And so we're walking around, and we're looking for treasure, and all we see is just some gunk all over the floor. And we're not sure what's going on. And my buddy stops me and he says, Jared, be quiet. Look up. And I look up and there's just nothing but bats all above our head. And at that moment, we went from talking about treasure to, you know, using code. <laughs> you know, we were thinking we got to get out of there. But we were hoping to find treasure. This guy named Forrest Finn, years ago, uh, lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He was, he was diagnosed with a terminal disease, and he, he was told he only had a, a little while to live, and he was wealthy from finding a lot of historical artifacts, a lot of Indian artifacts, and he decided he enjoyed going on treasure hunts, so he wanted other people to go on a treasure hunt. So he hid some treasure. In the Rockies, he gives a map, it's online, and it's about a million dollars worth of treasure of artifacts and gold and stuff, and he puts it out there for anybody to go and search for it. And I'm going to Santa Fe this, this next weekend and up to Colorado to Pagosa Springs, and I'm thinking of ditching my family and going looking for this million dollars of treasure because, I mean, likely I'll find it in the snow, right? Well, this guy named Daryl has given up everything. He's lost his job. He's lost his family. He's lost everything. He's spent money looking for this treasure, yet he still hasn't found it. This one lady has spent over $100,000 looking for this treasure, but she still hasn't found it. So this concept of not being able to find a treasure runs in our mind, but we continue to search for it. And in this scripture, he says... The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like when a man finds a treasure in a field. He goes and he sells everything, and he comes back and he buys it. He goes all in. There's this concept of the kingdom of God being the greatest treasure for us to go after. And this author, Matthew, He's writing this, and he's recording Jesus' parables. And all throughout Scripture, and, or all throughout the book of Matthew, you see this word treasure come up often. Matthew, who's, who we know to be a tax collector, Mark and Luke call him Levi. And Matthew, this tax collector, is sitting in his booth, his tax booth one, one day, and people are walking by, back and forth. And you can imagine as Matthew's sitting there and people are walking by, his life is just kind of walking by too as well. Day in and day out, he's back in this tax booth. 
And he's kind of stuck in no man's land, meaning that Matthew was, was of the Jewish culture, and yet he wasn't accepted fully by them anymore because he was working for the Roman government to collect taxes from the Jewish people to give to the Roman government. And the way he made his money was adding a little bit of extra tax to it so he could have a livelihood. So one day he thought as a Jewish person that, hey, there's money to be made in this. I need to make some money. This is a good thing, a good opportunity. And he did that. But all the while, he's put himself in no man's land, looking for treasure but not finding it. And day in and day out, people would walk by him. And then one day, he hears this voice, Matthew. And he looks up. And it's the Messiah. It's Jesus. He says, come and follow me. And in treasure, this, this kingdom of God is like a treasure. When a man finds it, he goes and he sells everything he, he has. He gets, he gets rid of it all and he goes all in, goes all after this field. So Matthew looks up at Jesus and he goes all in. And he steps out of his tax booth. He steps out of his life of ordinary, and he follows the man of extraordinary. There's also these guys who are sitting there mending their nets. When I was a kid I, in, in Pensacola, Florida, I was homeschooled for a little bit, and uh, what that meant is we got to go do school at the beach. Uh, it was the best time of my life. Uh, one day, one particular day, there was a guy casting a net out and I thought that was really neat, so I just kind of stood close, close enough by that he would hopefully notice me. And he did, and he, and he showed me that day how to cast the net. And then I went to a local pawn shop and bought, bought a net and, and was just homeschooled. That was uh, Fishing 101, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I got an A-plus in that class. My mom also made me sweet. I think that was home ec. I'm not sure. Uh, but these guys are taking that net, and they're mending it back and forth. They're at the grind every day. They're taking care of business. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, guys, you come and follow me. And the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man finds in a field, and he goes and he sells everything, all that he possesses, and he, and he goes and he buys this land. And, and these two guys, they stand up, they drop their nets, and they follow this man, Jesus. There's this woman, this Samaritan woman, who's at the well, and she's sitting there, and she's, she's gone there day in and day out, getting her basic need, water. And as she's pulling up this rope, the, the pail comes closer and closer, and she looks down in this pail, and the water's kind of moving around, and the water gets still for a second, and she's able to see a reflection. But the reflection she sees is not how she truly is. The reflection that she sees is how everybody else sees her as lonely or as lost or somebody who has constantly needed validation through relationships. Nevertheless, she continues to pull the well, the, the pell up. She grabs the water, she turns and sits it down, she hears somebody asking for a cup to drink. But it's different because it's a man's voice. It's different because it's, it's a Jew and she's a Samaritan, but she turns and she engages in a conversation with him. And he says, you're going to have to come back to that well every day 
Because the water you're, you're after, it's going to leave you thirsty again. The stuff that you're after is going to leave you thirsty again. He says, now, me, I am living water. And the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field where a man finds it. He goes and he sells all he, he has, and he goes all in, and he buys that field. He has that treasure, and the woman at that moment left her pail of water there, her most basic need, and went off to the town proclaiming that she had met the Messiah. They had to let go of some things. They had to let go of some things in order to be able to grasp what they truly wanted. The things that they had had kept them in a state of not finding what they were looking for. But when Jesus came into the picture, he offered them exactly everything they were wanting and needing. But sometimes I think we end up more like the rich young ruler. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the needle, the eye of the needle, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This rich young ruler came to Jesus asking him for something he was looking for. Jesus replies, and this is what you need. This is what you want. This is what you're after. But the young ruler looks at him and walks away. In this instance, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, and a man sees it, and he finds it, he hides it, and he just goes on his way. The rich young ruler couldn't let go of the things he had. At least that's my assumption. Because the scripture doesn't say whether he went and did that or didn't do it. He just says he went away sad. He went away sad because he was fixated on everything that he had instead of what he was about to receive. I think it's hard for us to go after the kingdom of heaven it's hard for us to pursue it and give all, go all in 
for it because we're, we're too fixated on the things that we might have to give up. You with me? For instance, there's a story that Rob Bell tells, and it's, and it's stuck with me for, for a long while now. He says him and his son were out at the beach, and his son was kind of right in, in the ocean waters, just right next to the, the beach shoreline. And his son's grabbing all these different shells, these different broken shells, different broken sand dollars, just, and he's got his hands full of all these broken shells. And he's so excited. He's like, look, Dad, look at all these broken shells I have. And, 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 and his dad's like, wow, that's awesome, son. That's really neat. And his son says, but, Dad, there's a starfish right here. And he looks at his son and he says, well, go get your starfish. And he said, all right, Dad. And he's just trying to get the starfish and he can't grab it. The starfish keeps falling out of his hands because he's got all these shells. And he's like, Dad, I can't get these, these starfish. And he said, get your starfish. That's your starfish. And he goes and he tries to grab it again, grab it again. And he, and he just can't do it. And finally his dad says, you've got to let go of all those shells in order to get your starfish. So my thought as I'm preparing myself for 2017, is what shells am I holding on to? What broken shells am I I carrying around? One time I went and I bought a calendar. I get excited about, like, New Year's. Uh, I was telling, I forgot who it was I was talking with the other day, but uh, one of the things that I, I feel was ingrained in me in college was when January comes, it's really exciting because I get to throw away everything from the last semester because uh, it was all a mess and it was all unorganized, and I get like a new beginning. Like January is a new beginning for me, you know. And so it's kind of ingrained that when January comes around, it's a new beginning. We operate like that, like the New Year's is coming up, and we operate of what thing am I going to start. And so one time I went and bought a, a, a new calendar, and I was really excited about it, especially because it was on clearance. And I got home, and I opened it up, and I was ready to work on my next year's calendar, and it was last year's calendar. <laughs> Ironically, that's how I feel, though. Ironically, I feel like, Man, I'm going to fill out this year's calendar, but it's already gone by. We are busy. We are busy people. One of the things when you, when you talk to somebody that you, you recently have, have kind of been apart for a little while, and you come back and you're hanging out with them, you say, how are you doing? First response that I've noticed often is, oh, I've been busy. It's like busyness has become a sense of validation. Like busyness is saying that we're important. Busyness is saying that we're needed. Busyness is saying that I am somebody. And we keep on and we keep on and we keep on and we get busy because we're not sure how to say no to things. We're not sure how to put things aside. We're not sure how to say, no, we can't do that. No, I don't have time for do that, to do that. Or no, that's not right. I shouldn't do that. Kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man finds it, he goes and he lets go of everything, and he comes and he and he buys all in. He lets go of it all. And there's a piece of this scripture that I didn't ever notice until last night. Go back to Matthew 13, verse 44.
The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, never saw that until last night. Then in his joy, he went and he sold everything. There wasn't any reluctance there. In his joy, he was able to let go of those things. Why? Because he had said yes to something. When we say yes to something, it makes it easier to say no to everything else. Watch a marathon runner. He says yes or she says yes to a marathon. They start saying no to food that they wish they could eat. And it's not really a problem after a while. They say no to some, some sitting on the couch time because they have devoted their time to running this marathon. Or think of a spouse. Think of uh, I'm getting ready for my sister-in-law's wedding. It's going to happen in April. And I've been mulling over things to, to share. But, but think of a marriage. When you say yes to your spouse, you're saying no to every other person in the world. Right? When we say yes to the kingdom of heaven, we're able to find joy in letting go of the things of this world. Those may be habits or those may be addictions. I'm going to put this in the Keith Ballman way. Sorry, Keith, he's shaking his head. Please don't. When other people are doing it, it's an addiction. When I'm doing it, it's a bad habit. Does that sound like how you would put it, Keith? Kind of. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe there's some addictions that you're dealing with in your life right now that's hard to get rid of. If we keep focusing on those instead of what we're saying yes to, it's going to be hard to get rid of. But the more we focus on saying yes to the kingdom of heaven, the more we can let go of that the more we focus on what is out there for our kids to do as far as extracurricular activities. And we, I want my son to do great things. I do. But the more I focus on that versus focusing on him being in the kingdom of heaven, the more I'm going to just occupy our time with practices and schedules and events and activities. So what have you said yes to? Because if you realize and look at what you've said yes to, saying no to the other stuff, you'll be able to find joy in it. So may you, may you be a people who are like this man who come across this great treasure called the kingdom of heaven. And you don't fully understand it, you don't fully get it, but you know it's, it's got some incredible intrinsic value. And you say, I'm going to go and sell all out and buy all in to this treasure. May you say yes to that. And if you need any encouragement in that, please come as we stand and as we sing.